Welcome to CritterCast, officially episode 43. Woohoo! 43. <laughs> Is it 43? Uh, I think so. I, I think, think that's so. right. Yeah. Because we had not episode 43. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we were busy. And so. And we were very tired. Look after at us. The Reptile Expo. We are still busy and yet still bringing you content. That's right. We you, rock. You get a special treat this week by being able to listen to a brand new episode right after you listen to a not an episode last week. Wow. And, and that ended up being way longer than I thought it was going to be. It was still a full 45 minutes. We had a lot to say. Well, anyway, thanks for tuning in and joining us. I am co-host Karina. I'm Cassie. And this is CritterCast, the podcast where we talk about all the wild, wacky, and wonderful things relating to all the animals in the world. It's Cassie and Karina, and we're at it again, sharing cool facts about our animal friends. We make stupid jokes, and we laugh a lot, but we also like to learn Yippee skippity doo That's right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, don't yeah. come at us, Disney. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. For those of you who are just joining us for your very first episode, congratulations. Welcome. Yeah. In, in CritterCast, we, we make usually bi-weekly episodes. We got a little off because of our reptile show, but we're back on track with our bi-weekly episodes and mm-hmm. actually got more content. That's so right. Just be grateful. Because we know that you are amazing people who always return your library books on time. So we are here to support you and make sure that you have the content that you're here for. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Our bi-weekly episodes are 45 minutes to an hour long, and we pick a specific critter to talk about and we start with their basic facts like what they are where they live what they eat and then we usually pick one or two really interesting facts and dig pretty deep that's exactly what we're doing today i'm very excited so we trade off doing research this week was cassie's turn Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm psyched i have no idea what we're talking about no idea no idea i did not pick up off of a list okay did Um, you just have an idea that you were like this is burning i must do it yeah so this actually came to me from my trip to colorado a little while ago like two weeks ago and a giant grasshopper landed on the car while i was driving and stayed on the car for the entire drive and then stayed on the car for even longer i got a bunch of pictures of him he's really cool Mm -hmm. and i started to think what kind of grasshopper is this why is it so big there's more than one type of grasshopper small and other grasshoppers are so big maybe it wasn't a grasshopper at all but a locust and and so i was talking to my aunt dale Mm -hmm. and she said well you know what you're gonna have to do an episode an episode of CritterCast yeah. on grasshoppers. So yes. that's what we're talking about today. All grasshoppers or just the grasshopper you saw? No. Just that one individual, his just life story. <laughs> his name is Bob. Yeah, that's right. He's got a very tragic tale, but oh, no. it ends happily. Oh, good. So it's okay. It's yeah. All right. uh, no. So I, I did research for you. This research is weird, dude. Mm. It's a weird thing. I almost stalled out and picked a different animal. Wow. Because I kept running into super contradictory information. Mm -hmm. But I think I figured out why it's contradictory information. And I got some good, like, insider info to help us explain and understand the discrepancies. You talked to a bug expert? 
I read an article about it. Well, there you go then. Hey, that's close enough, I suppose. Because I was going to say, your dad and your brother both specialize in birds. Right. Not bugs. My dad specializes in plants. Oh. But yeah. But he likes to bird watch too. He does. He does. Nerdy. And my brother's girlfriend specializes in pollinators. Right. But grasshoppers are not pollinators. No, no. So yeah, I was on my own with this one. I was they're, adrift. They're villains, actually. From they're what? They're villains. <gasps> wow. Have you never Just seen a bug's of life? One <laughs> negative propaganda laden movie. <laughs> Yeah. And also several chapters in the Bible, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like locusts and grasshoppers are in the same family. And yeah, we're going to talk about that a yeah. lot. Gross. So basically, the breakdown of information that I have for you today is very minimal amounts of background information about grasshoppers. Okay. A crap load of weird facts. It, that's an okay word for oh, no it's not okay and then we're gonna dig really deep into one particular piece that i just kept getting stuck on okay 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 so background information yes. common name grasshopper correct they are from the suborder Califera and the infraorder acrididae but also some other infraorders and it gets messy and we're not gonna get too into it because messy yeah. So messy. Also, that's just even orders. That's not even genus and yeah. species because there's probably too many. There's a, over 11,000. Yeah. That span types of several genera mm-hmm. and species. Exactly. So we're just going to talk kind of in general. Yeah. Today. It's insects we're not going to break are down like, too, too yeah. much. Insects, you really can't pick one species. Like, like, I could have talked about like the giant Weta, but I'm thinking maybe we'll save that for a different one. I just wanted to figure out what was going on. As a whole. Yeah. What are they about? What are they? So they are invertebrates. Okay. They are mostly herbivores, although some of them are omnivores. Well, yeah, I guess that makes it's weird. It's weird to think about bugs as being omnivores, but but like decaying animal matter. Right. And like arachnids are quote unquote bugs and they're most carnivorous. carnivorous. Yeah, totally. You know, it's just not in the way that we think of it. They're not eating cows. Right. Ain't you're not there eating bacon? Usually not. Flies will eat bacon. Heck yeah, they will. <laughs> Flies bacon. eat whatever they want. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, so they <laughs> their lifespan um, ranges from several months to seven years. What? Yeah, I would have never guessed that. We'll talk about that a little bit more in detail in just a little bit here. Let me give you some more background. But like, even at the minimum, being a couple months, I know, is surprising. It's because it totally all depends on um, the environmental circumstances that they're in. Right. So if they're if they hatch out of um, eggs like right before winter, mm-hmm. then. They may not even, they may just like stay as eggs. Right. Or they may hatch and then stay in like their first. Right. Right. Body without molting. Yeah. And then die off a couple months later. Right. But if they're in a really warm, uh, like temperate, not a lot of fluctuation, not a lot of cold weather sort of climate, they can live for seven years. Right. Right. In the wild. Crazy. Okay. They range in size. From a half an inch to three inches. Yeah, that seems to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, they're about the size of an upright paper clip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That feels definitely yeah. accurate. Yeah. 
So, like I said, there's more than 11,000 species. And specifically, we're going to mostly talk about the short-horned grasshopper species. Okay. So they're recognized by their short, heavy antenna and their three-segmented legs. So there's other types that are related to them, like um, katydids, uh, cicadas. Mm-hmm. All those things are related, but they're not the same sort of right thing. So we're talking about the grasshoppers that are featured in Bugs Life. Yes, we are. Yeah. They're Accurate. evil. Okay. Only in some circumstances. <laughs> and even then, it's not evil. Could <laughs> breathe. All right. More background information. Do you, how old would you think that grasshoppers as a species are? Oh, I, I would think, I would think a couple million years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally what I thought too. Is that not accurate? They are among probably the most ancient living group of chewing herbivorous, herbivorous, herbivorous. <laughs> They're older than dinosaurs. Whoa. Right? I mean, that's still a couple million years, isn't it? We date them back to 250 million years ago. Yeah, a couple million. A couple million. <laughs> a couple hundred so, million. You know, it's this fine. is the same problem we same have thing. when we're talking about money. That to me, like, yes. 4 million and, like, 400 million. What's the difference? It's all so long There's ago. basically no difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, that is old. Yeah. Old, old, old. Yeah. So we talked about horseshoe crabs a while ago. Right. And so basically, like, the earth used to be populated by horseshoe crabs and grasshoppers. And roaches. And roaches. And we still have them all. And roaches are kind of half grasshopper, half horseshoe crab, (laughs) if you think about it. So perfect. (laughs) They will outlive us all, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. When humans die off, grasshoppers and roaches and horseshoe crabs will still be here. And probably chickens. Let's be real. Yep. We're already kind of getting to the point where all these new facts are blowing my mind, which is crazy because grasshoppers are one of those types of animals that I've had a lot of contact with. Like I used to catch them in the field in my grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. I've never been afraid of them, although they yeah. do like jump pretty far. And they're yeah. such a big part of pop culture and stuff. Are they? I'm, yeah. They've been in like symbolic in cultures across the world for years mm-hmm. and all sorts of different types of things. Mm. So, yeah. I, I mean, like, I know what a grasshopper right. is. It's just not, it's not a, a critter I think about Yeah, regularly. Yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, grasshoppers. They're yeah. cool. I'm comfortable with them. I'm used to them. Yeah. I know everything there is to know about them, except uh, that I, I knew mean, nothing. I mean, I don't think I ever felt like I knew everything there was to know about them. I just <laughs> knew they were insects and I knew vaguely what they kind of looked like. That's everything there is to know about them. Oh, okay. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. End of episode. Yep. The end. Okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right, so their body shape is usually long and slender, although some of them, of course, are shorter and stouter. Most of the species tend to be mostly green or straw-colored as ways of camouflage. They can kind of change color, too, depending on the um, time of the year and adapt their camouflage a little bit. As most insects do. Yeah, yeah. Their hind legs are adapted perfectly for jumping, and some species have wings, and some species have wings that are bright colors that they'll flash to help deter predators. Hmm. Yeah. I would assume that's probably the larger species. Not all of them. Some Hmm. of them, but not all of them. Interesting. Yeah. 
Um, among the winged species, the males can produce characteristic sounds, that grasshopper sound, by rubbing the front wings together or by drawing the hind legs across the edge of the wings. Exactly. I I'm making the movement, but I, I can't make the noise. <laughs> it's like that sound that you've, we've all tried to make by getting a, a piece of twine or or I've literally never tried that and trying to make your own makeshift violin with just one string and a stick you've never tried that no wow no what childhood did you even have no this might spin you totally off and you might talk about it later so feel free to tell me we'll get to it later but like grasshoppers and crickets we're not really going to talk about that later. Crickets are another part of the other type. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, like so they are similar, cicadas. but yeah. like cicadas. I'm sorry. But they're not. Yeah. Okay. But like enough. it's a similar noise, you know, yeah. that they make. Yeah. And similar mechanism, I think, too. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. A few of the species will eat toxic plants and then keep the toxins in their bodies for protection. Mm. And they will then. So they have like secret pockets to hide them in. Like they're not yep. immune to them like some of the animals we've talked about. They just like tuck them away where they can't hurt them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'd say smart, but I know it's just like an automatic body function. Right. It's not like something they're thinking hey, about. Where I think they're, like, they're pretty well adapted for their own survival. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, you can only fit so much brain in a body that's the <laughs> size of a paperclip. Accurate, as Rue well knows. <laughs> oh, Portia Wallace. <laughs> um, the female grasshoppers, like for many species that we've talked about, are larger than the males. You gotta. Yep. yep. You gotta lay the eggs. Exactly. You just gotta. They have sharp points at the end of their abdomen that are there to help them lay the eggs underground. They're called ovipositors. So they like they dig into the ground yep. and then deposit yep. the eggs. Exactly right. And that's on the only the females? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, huh? I guess there's a lot of female female bugs hanging yeah. around. Because I feel like I see that pretty often. Right. Like yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. The pointy barbs at the end of their exactly. booties. Exactly. That's the females. Hmm. Um a female shorthorned grasshopper will lay about a hundred eggs in the soil at a time. That seems accurate for an insect, right? It yeah. seems low for an insect, actually. Well, they can lay multiple times throughout the mating season. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay, so the eggs have an interesting way of developing. They hatch into just tinier grasshoppers, like little baby grasshoppers, mm-hmm. and then they just go through molts multiple times. Mm-hmm. So the tiniest baby grasshopper yeah. is called a nymph. Okay. And then as they get bigger, they molt. And yeah. And they just like stay formed exactly how they are. They just yeah. get bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in temperate regions, the females can produce several broods a year. All right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can you can get a lot from one. Yeah. One, one little grasshopper laying many, many, many grasshopper eggs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because they also can die so easy. So yes. you just have to be prepared as a species. Absolutely. If you would like to survive 250 million years. Right. It's one of those things where some species go for the survival mechanism of making each individual big or big, really strong, strong or like really smart. ready to survive right away. Yeah. Or like, so I many. mean, like 75% <laughs> of them might be dumb and just die. Yeah. But like, 
Some of them going to make it. That's 25. So yeah. there you go. Exactly. 25 times, still... however many times I laid. Right. And you're, you're getting that from two individuals. Right. Yeah. You're good. Good survival of the species. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right. That's all my background information. Are you ready for the weird stuff? Oh my God. Wait, are, are we like, are we at the third part of your notes or no, the second part? The second okay. Part. Let's get through the second part and yep. then maybe we'll take our promo break. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So first of all, most species of grasshoppers hear through their stomachs. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they have a pair of hearing organs. These are a pair of membranes that vibrate in response to sound waves. And they're located on either side of their abdominal segments. So they're like a lot of bugs in three segments. Right. right? They have like the head and then the thorax and then like the little butt section. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that's called. Yeah. Um, But so these are on the middle of their abdomen. Right. On each side. And they're tucked underneath the wings. And they're basically... What we have internally is an eardrum right. in our ears. So they they are ears. Yeah, they're ears. Yeah, they have ears on their on their tummies. Okay. Yeah, they're called tympanal organs, which reminds me of like a timpani, right? Like the um, is it a type of, type of drum? Yeah, it's a big bass drum. Exactly. Basically. Yes. Yeah, which makes sense because you can think of the the top of the drum. It's kind of vibrating, like a like a membrane. Well, might. the sound comes. Like you hit the top of the drum and then the sound bounces around on the inside of the drum. Oh, cool. Which is probably, yeah, it hits the surface of right. their membrane and then it bounces around all and they can sense the vibrations. Makes sense. And and feel it and kind of digest the sound that way. Cool. That's how our ears work too. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. You're so smart. You I just know, know so a lot much. about music. <laughs> <laughs> and animals. It's perfect. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Didn't you watch the Magic School Bus episode about sound and vibration? Girl, there were not Magic School Bus episodes when I was a kid. There were Magic School Bus books, and that's what I had. Oh, my God. I know. The TV show's the best. Well, yeah, I watched it when somebody, but not all of it, not most of it. It's great. It was pretty good. I remember Arnold still being annoying, though. That's because he's the worst. He should have just stayed home. He should have Every stayed day. home. <laughs> he should not have been gifted with being in her class. No. He, did, he was not deserving. No. Okay, so that's a couple of weird facts, but let's keep going. Many species of grasshoppers will use as a defensive mechanism their ability to spit out a bitter brown liquid. Gross. Mm-hmm. So if you pick one of these guys up, you might be careful because you might end up with some gross, stinky brown liquid on your they musk you. fingers. It, that's essentially what it is. It's just out of their mouth hole instead of out of the grosser yeah. hole. Yep, exactly. Nasty. Yep. Okay, I mentioned the molting earlier. Yeah. And it's kind of cool the mechanism that they use for molting. Mm-hmm. Before they molt, they have to take a really deep breath. So they'll swallow large amounts of air and that will help them to split the cuticle that keeps together the different parts of their molt. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that will make it easier for them to break out of their old exoskeletons. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if you were um, tied up by kidnappers and you expanded your lungs, you breathed in really deep while they were tying the knots around your, your chest and your upper arms. You breathed in really, really deep. So they tied the knot too big and then you broke out of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think that's 100% how that would work. That's not like a super relatable example. I just also feel like that wouldn't work that way. I I feel like I could probably escape from kidnappers that way. Oh, you have that kind of strength? I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds good. (laughs) Oh, okay. So speaking of weird things on grasshoppers' bodies, they have their ears on their bellies. They also have five eyes. Not super shocking for a bug, right? Yeah. Five eyes on each side or just like five in total? So we'll get there. So they have, when you look at them, you can see their big compound eyes, right? Right, right. So those are the big, regular, two largest eyes, one on each side of its head. Those are the compound eyes. They're really big. But then they also have a single eye at the base of each antenna. And then another one single eye that's located just below and centered between the antenna. So you know that that idea of the third eye? Right. They have that. But so like really because their two big eyes are compound eyes, they really have like lots and lots of thousands of eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, for for our listeners at home, you know that whenever people are talking about like bug vision or insect vision, it's through like several different versions because that's how they see that that's how compound eyes work exactly at least that's how we think it works yeah that's how we tried to replicate it it, but we are not insects therefore (laughs) we can only do so much we can only give you our equivalent of it yeah exactly yeah okay so you've probably heard about or maybe you have even eaten i don't know but grasshoppers are considered a great source of protein no i i have not mealworms is where i drew my line i think i may have had a cricket at some point Mm -hmm. gross yeah i don't think i've ever eaten a grasshopper but i'm sure it would taste similar to just a a slightly larger cricket yeah if they're if they're fried because a lot of times people fry them they or bake them they're crunchy they can make them crunchy and they salt them or they put like spices on them and they dehydrate them them a little bit yeah eat them kind of like popcorn like a fun crunchy snack or like corn nuts they mix them in with things a lot too Mm -hmm. but um gross i wish to not do that (laughs) fair and that's interestingly something that people have been doing for Thousands of years, centuries. According to the Bible, John the Baptist ate locusts and honey while he was uh, lost in the wilderness. Yeah. That's quite a combination. I just have a song stuck in my head. Gosh darn. Sorry. What song? Lost in the wilderness. Lost, dying in the wilderness. And eating grasshoppers in the wilderness. That's from Children of Eden, too. Perfect. So it's its not about that particular <laughs> biblical character, but like applicable. Very similar. Grasshoppers recently have started to evolve in new and exciting ways. Okay. In order to adapt to the changing world that humans are creating. <laughs> oh, even. <laughs> I know, All right. right? Okay. So one thing that researchers have found that's really interesting is that... Grasshoppers have evolved to adjust to the increased noise level on the earth. Okay. From cities and from industry and Mm -hmm. us just making things and doing things. And they've had to, because they communicate with other members of their species through sound. Right. And so they have had to evolve a new way to make a noise that can be heard over the hustle and bustle of this modern world. 
Okay. So German researchers have come to this conclusion after studying the mating song between grasshoppers that was captured in the quiet countryside and those that live near busy roads. The song of those in busy roads had a major boost to the low frequency component of their mating call, Mm -hmm. which like travels longer and is louder. Right. In order to be heard better. Interesting. Yeah. Because usually you think of high pitch noise. Right. Like being able to be heard above things. But I think since the low frequency sound waves are They also could just be more capable of hearing low sound waves that we can't hear. Sure. Totally possible. They're like operating on just a slightly different radio channel. Yeah. Yeah. They had to. Mm -hmm. We hopped on to channel one and they were like, okay, guys, (laughs) channel two. And then we hopped on to channel two and they were like, "Uh, okay, channel three. Yep. And then they were like... Heck with it. Let's just go to AM. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's on AM. That's accurate. They are 100% accurate. (laughs) It's them and NPR. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that may seem like not a super big deal. No, but it's it's a deal. It's a deal. It totally is. And researchers say that this is the first time that insects have been found to change their behavior to adjust to noise pollution. So they anticipate having this happen again in the future right yeah or and with other insects too yeah totally so if you want to read that article i will put a link up on our website with um information and a a link to that full research paper Mm -hmm. all right some more interesting stuff that's kind of starting to relate to the big thing we're gonna talk about okay okay so like i said earlier their lifespan depends on the climate if they're in a cold climate They can only make it through the winter, like, as an egg. They're never going to have their first molt. Right. Sorry. Bad timing. Yeah. But if they're in a warm climate, they can live up to seven years. They have 360-degree vision because of those nice compound eyes. Right. They can detect differences between light and darkness, and their antennae are sensitive enough to help them, like, feel out um, differences in things occupying space around them. Well, they can just see it. They can see it and they can feel it. Because they have eyeballs right there. Yeah. They are very well equipped to navigate the world. Gross. (laughs) Uh, Fully grown grasshoppers are able to leap up to 10 times their own length into the air and 20 times their own length horizontally without even using their wings. That See, now, like, when you think about how small bugs are, it doesn't sound like that big of a deal but you try it right but then you think about like you as a human jumping so yeah. i'm five feet tall 50 feet into the air yeah just, like, just by They're bending my legs superman <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah because superman's not really flying he's really just jumping he's really just jumping and then soaring yeah 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 it's it's his use of the cape that enables him to be aerodynamic he just has to stay away from any airplanes yeah mm-hmm. no jets no capes no, no capes, capes. <laughs> um The reason that they're able to jump so far is because they have a small cuticle in their knee that acts as a spring and lets them catapult themselves up into Uh, the air. Yep. Cool, huh? Which I'm glad we don't have. Yeah, no, that sounds uncomfortable. Could you imagine people just getting to work like that, though? Oh, hey. That could make your... uh, My commute commute so much better. Easier. (laughs) Wouldn't it? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Not on rainy days, though. Or tornado-y days. No. No. Um, they can go really fast too. A grasshopper's peak acceleration during takeoff approaches 20 G's of force, 
G-force. 20. I don't know what that means. G-force. Okay, to put this in perspective, a jet engine, a fighter jet engine, can experience nine Gs of force at full speed. Wow. So double the force of a fighter jet. Okay. Yeah, I think it's still just hard for me to understand because I don't know anything about that. Super awesome a lot. Okay. Like so much. Okay. How much? Ten. Ten. How many? So many. Yeah. So much. Exactly. So much. Oh, they're just, they're very interesting little dudes. No wonder they've survived so well. They're very well adapted to like everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of them can fly really well too. So they'll use their hind legs to propel them into the air and then they'll spread their wings and fly. Literally, they are Superman. Right. Exactly. They just have their built-in cape. Yes, exactly. And then when they are flying, they can reach a speed of 13 kilometers or eight miles an hour. So, That's you know, like a lot it's for pretty a little, good. A little bug. Yeah, exactly. Like, we can't run eight miles per hour. No. Some, Some people... Some of us can't even run one mile per hour. I feel like passing in high school is a 10-minute mile. In high school. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. Um, they also use sound and sight to communicate and sense and touch to mate. So even though they're solitary creatures, they come together for mating periods and have, you know, a little bit of romantic time first before they get down. Okay. Yeah. I mean. That's what I'm assuming. Let's not facts. anthropomorphous. Morph. Um, excuse me. Bugs Life did it first, so I can do it too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Huh. Okay, that's my background information, and that's my weird stuff. And then we're going to dive into one particular thing that kept coming up as, like, a weird, funky thing to talk about. Okay. So I think now is a good time to take a break. Yeah. Let's um, give a little promo shout-out for the, for the episode. So every episode, with the exception of last week, which was a weird non-episode we just give a shout out and play a promo for a fellow podcaster we like to shout out our our more indie podcast yeah we do it's especially awesome if they are animal related but it's not a requirement it's especially awesome if they are lady led but again not a requirement this week we have this wonderful promo please enjoy and check them out we interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast programming and we're not sorry i'm harmony and i'm maggie and we're Rebel Girls Book Club. We're here to take an intersectional feminist approach to books from all over the spectrum. Bestsellers, we've got you covered. That one book from English class you hated while you read but you can't forget? We've got that too. Comic books, nonfiction, it's all right here. So grab your tea, grab your blanket, and cue up your favorite podcast app of choice. Let's get rebellious about your new favorite reads. I hope you guys enjoyed that promo and please check them out. We like to share the love of all the podcast listeners. That's right. And if you are trying to figure out where to find it, check our social media and we'll have links to all of the social media accounts and where to listen to this amazing podcast as well. Yay. Yay. So I don't know that I should say this, but let's get weird. (laughs) Okay. Like super weird. This research was so hard. Yes. This was so hard because it's October, right? Right. So I wanted to start off October with a kind of 
creepy scary critter but i didn't want it to be a traditional creepy scary critter. yeah we did a lot of creepy like traditionally creepy yeah. critters last october which bt dubs guys spooktober <gasps> you know we're here for it oh yes. but all the time but it was time to be a little creative exactly yeah so i thought okay well i'm interested in grasshoppers anyway maybe i should start by talking about locusts instead of grasshoppers because i wanted to know i was wondering like what's the difference between grasshoppers and locusts are right. locusts just really big grasshoppers are they a particular species right right seems like that should be a pretty easy question to answer yeah i mean from what we know of taxonomy mm-hmm. maybe not no <laughs> no also there is Okay, so there's basically two different ways to think about this. Part of it is kind of a cultural mindset and just like common words that we use. Right. And then the other one is more taxonomy scientific. Right. So in America, in Northern America, where we are in the U.S. and in Canada, um, for the most part, and in even some parts of Mexico, for the most part, the idea of like grasshopper and locust is used kind of interchangeably. So okay. the words for both of them is kind of interchangeable. In right? we, where we live in the Western yeah, world. That's just part of, we just think about them as very similar. Okay. But if you're in Europe, <laughs> mm-hmm. then in some cases, um, the term locust denotes lard accredited, whereas the smaller species are called grasshoppers. Okay. Okay. So, so it's just by size. Yes. That's what that's saying. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I started doing my research on what are locusts, first I, fo- I found some stuff that said locusts are a particular species of grasshopper that are the big ones. Right. And then I found other things saying locusts and grasshoppers are the same thing. And then I found other things saying locusts and grasshoppers are totally different. Right. Y'all, it feels like the correct answer, or at least the most correct we can get, is probably the scientific yes breakdown. And here's what I think is the thing: is that it's it's a pretty tricky thing, mm-hmm. and you have to have a little bit more willingness to deal with nuance and complication in order to understand the difference. So a lot of times we just say, "Eh, they're basically the same thing." The big ones or the ones that are swarming together; those are locusts. Okay. Like the, the damaging ones are locusts. Oh, yeah. And the, the bad non, ones. The bad the plague. ones. Exactly. The plague is the locust. Yes. Yes. Those ones are the locust ones. And the ones that aren't currently causing problems are grasshoppers. Oh, okay. Okay. And honestly, that's basically what it is. But what that doesn't tell you is the fact that grasshoppers turn into locusts. When circumstances are correct. Whoa. Yeah. Like change freaking species? Like, kind of. Or just like behaviorally, they will turn No, into- like they physically change too. What? I know. No. <laughs> I know. Not allowed. It's crazy. Get okay. out of here. Okay. So, basically... In general, the term locust refers to any group of shorthorn grasshopper that is increasing greatly in numbers and migrating long distances in a destructive swarm. Okay. So, pop up. Target. Target. Good girl. Up, up, up. Poppy. Up, up, up. 
all the way down. Stop pulling it. All right, so that's the in general, right? But the confusion with are they a different species? Are they the same species? Is it the same name for two different things? I, in my take, this is me pulling together my understanding from multiple different conflicting sources. Mm-hmm. My take is that grasshoppers it's like a characterization difficulty based on the fact that grasshoppers can under the right circumstances become locusts so when they have a high population density and the environmental conditions are just right they will change color change behavior and form swarms and in that case they are known as locusts and it's not just one species of the shorthorn grasshoppers right it's like a any, lot of them can uh, do it. Not, not any, any, but, but many. a lot. Yeah. Mm. Right? Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about where that's coming from. So apparently scientists think that the swarming behavior is a response to overcrowding or overcrowding. I don't know mm-hmm. what overcrowding is. Anyway. Increased tactile stimulation of the hind legs causes an increase in levels of serotonin, which causes the grasshopper to change color, feed more, and breed faster. So these are like phenomenal, phenomenological issues that occur based on there just being too many like in the area. Okay. Okay. So when there's too many all around and they're interacting too closely with each other, that can have a chemical effect on their brains and change their brain chemistry and make them change physiologically. Right. (laughs) And then change the behavior of the whole species. Right. That's grouped together. So that transformation (laughs) of a solitary individual into a swarming one is induced by coming into contact with with other individuals Mm -hmm. several times per minute over a short period of time. (sighs) Yeah. I think... Part of what makes classifying small critters like this Mm -hmm. so difficult for us is that we are really going off where they live, what they look like, and how they act. Yeah. Because with with larger animals, we can look at their DNA and we can look at their gene structure. And even though, obviously, like... DNA from one species to another can the the changes can be really insignificant. We can still see that, but you really can't pull DNA from insects. Like it's really hard to get a good exactly. viable sample. Sure. Exactly, and so we rely really heavily on just looking and being yeah. like, "This seems right." Right, and it's hard to have enough of these types of animals in a enclosed environment right where you can do like lab experimentation on them right so you have to do a lot of observation yeah it's just they're very tricky to study right and then when scientists see something they think they know right but it presents in a slightly different way then becomes the argument of okay well let's watch it and study it and figure out is it just what we thought it was with this slight physical yeah, difference yeah, yeah, or yeah. is it actually a completely other species? Totally. And I think a lot of times they end up going mm, new subspecies. Right. Yeah. When it's, of course. When it's like, who's qualified to make these calls? Right. You could study your whole life and still feel completely unqualified. Oh, to absolutely. Make these calls. And honestly, isn't that why science is so attractive to so many people is because 
you can study something your whole life and it can still totally shock you. No, I think that makes it very unattractive (laughs) (laughs) to study something your whole life and still not understand any of it at all. I I think that's basically science. Ah! (laughs) This is why I did not finish with a degree in science. I'm just saying. That's fair. And I think that, you know, that that makes sense that there's an additional layer of confusion when you trickle this out to lay people like us. Right. Right. Where we have to be able to kind of like explain and process and understand these really tricky complex changes and categorizations. I mean, I don't feel like we have to. I feel like that's why most people are just like grasshopper, grasshopper, grasshopper. Oh, that one's big. Locust. Yeah. Yes. Which like, (laughs) honestly, that's fine by me. Like (laughs) it's cool to know these fun facts, but the next time I see it, I'm just going to go grasshopper. (laughs) Okay. Yes. But here's the thing. Locust swarms are incredibly dangerous and have a huge negative impact on our agriculture. So knowing what causes them to become locusts and to swarm can be really helpful in preventing agricultural disasters. So what you're saying is we're encouraging people to not have so many grasshoppers. (laughs) So kill them when you see them. No, mm. no. Okay, let's let's go back and talk a little bit more about how they become locusts, and then we'll talk a little bit more about like what is this, what impact is this having, uh-huh. and what can scientists learn about it. So the the transformation from an individual into a swarming individual, right? Following this transformation under suitable conditions, these dense nomadic bands of flightless grasshoppers that become known as hoppers can occur, producing because the hoppers are like um, in between their younger molts. Mm-hmm. So since they're breeding so fast, you have so many of these younger, still molting, still growing really quickly grasshoppers mm-hmm. slash now becoming locusts. Mm-hmm. And so they start producing pheromones which attract the insects to each other and with several generations in a year the locust population can build up from localized groups into vast accumulations known as plagues or swarms which devour all vegetation that they encounter right yeah the largest recorded locust swarm was one that was formed by the now extinct rocky mountain locust species Mm -hmm. in 1875 that locust swarm it took up 1,800 miles. Wow. It was 1,800 miles long. And then it was also 110 miles wide. And some estimates put the number of locusts involved at about 3.5 trillion locusts. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so this is why it's helpful to know what causes that swarming behavior, like what can trigger that transformation. Right. Um, So in a 2010 article on locusts that was published in the Encyclopedia of Animal Behavior, Alexander Vzvovo-Lechininsky, yeah, um, who's an entomologist for the state of Wyoming, explains that all locusts are grasshoppers, (laughs) but not all grasshoppers are locusts. Um, You become the locust when you start the swarming behavior, right? Okay. And so it's a phenotype mutability that refers to the fact that for some subspecies, these different stages of life are marked by different colors and different body shapes. And then when you add in that behavioral aspect of the mass group swarming, Mm -hmm. that's what makes us call them 
locus. Um, it's known in scientific circles as the gregarious phase. Okay. Yeah. I know. It's super odd. It's yeah. It's very odd. Um, so he says that out of more than 12,000 described grasshopper species in the world, only about a dozen actually exhibit pronounced behavioral and or morphological differences between phases of both nymphs and adults and can be considered locusts. So they're not, they're not all able to become locusts and even not most of them. Okay. Does that make sense? I mean, sure. It's to be totally honest, you lost me a little. It's late, and my brain doesn't Fair. function yeah. this way. So basically, just like not all grasshoppers are going to become locusts. Most of them are not going to. Most mm-hmm. of them don't have the physiological capability and won't ever hit that behavioral state stage, mm-hmm. the swarming stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, even the tendency to swarm together is a relatively recent phenomenon. Considering that they've been around for 250 right, <laughs> million right. years. Right. Um, they're super destructive when they swarm because they will eat literally everything in their path. Right. So it can be really, really, really awful. And it seems like it's in it's been kind of increasing with the tendency of humans to produce like more agriculture in a particular area. Poppy, stop it. So anyway, it's still something we're studying. We're not 100% sure what is making this evolution happen to where grasshoppers are becoming locusts and swarming quite as much. Right. And we're not quite sure exactly yet what we can do to, to keep it from happening. But I think by doing studies like this to be able to find out what exact circumstances are going to cause the swarming, maybe that will help us to monitor and at least be aware of when mm-hmm. locust swarms are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe with future studying, we could even like help to weed out that behavior a little bit more. I don't know. That's like ethically a little bit questionable, but everything we do. Yeah. Concerning to, I mean, a lot of intervention into animal and nature is super (laughs) ethically questionable. Yeah. But also we have to fix the problems we made that were definitely ethically questionable. So yeah, it just, it really feels to me and I don't actually have any science to support this, (laughs) but it feels to me like if the, the locust swarms are, coincidental with human development that perhaps there's a correlation there mm-hmm. between how much stuff we plant and wear right and attracting them and just setting up those circumstances to happen more and more often right maybe, maybe. i don't know again Conjecture. no scientific yeah no <laughs> not scientific an expert here <laughs> background uh, if, if you know tell me <laughs> yeah and in case we didn't say that before 
We yes. are not experts. No. If that wasn't clear yes. by this episode. No, we're just not interested experts. and trying to make sense of super contradictory and confusing information. I mean, usually we're just trying to make sense of, of critters. Yes. Today got a little a little scientific for me. Right? Wasn't that like... It was intense. It was intense. Yeah. I don't know that for me it was particularly fascinating. <laughs> Uh, but wow. it was definitely intense. The locusts and I are very offended. You can be offended all you want. We, we can't all be a fan of every single critter. Fascinating. So it just is what it is. I'm, I'm going to stick with really liking grasshoppers. I'm going to definitely read more about locust behavior and just that whole thing because it's so fascinating to me. But in general, I just wanted to share that cool piece of information with y'all yeah and no, we, i'd love to hear other it. people's thoughts i want to hear your thoughts a little bit i i don't like bugs usually <laughs> i don't especially like insects that get all nasty with my food even when they're getting nasty because okay so here's basically how i'm thinking about it right you know how when you're like a teenager and you're hangry all the time and you go to the mall with your friends, but you haven't eaten for like the whole day. And so you're hangry and then you're hanging out with a lot of other people and it gets like that social pressure is too much. And then all of a sudden you just kind of tip and you become me. I tip and I become really like rude and okay. hard to be around. Basically, that's a locust. Um, I can't relate. Never, really? never went to the mall with a big group of friends, hangry, having never eaten all day. And then are you kidding a, me? Never a totally difficult person to be around. One of my friends in high school would literally take granola bars with us to the mall whenever we went. I, because okay, she knew. Please remember that the rest of too, us would that get Karina rude. did not have large groups of friends like ever throughout my entire life. <laughs> nah, <laughs> just oh, stop it. This got okay? sad. And the friends I did have, we did not go to the mall together. But where I thought I was were, a 90s baby. What so I yeah. thought you were going uh -huh. with that train of thought was like the, you know, the trail of just garbage and decay that teenage <laughs> a group of teenagers leave behind anywhere Accurate. they go. Accurate. That's what I thought you okay. were going to say. Because yeah. honestly, like literally just look at any high school party. Like the remnants yes. of a high school party. Yeah. And like how parents say they come, they eat, they leave, which is a quote from Bugs Life. Yes. Like, yeah. So basically what we're saying is the way to make sense of the whole how, what are, what are grasshoppers versus what are locusts is think of the difference between children and adults and teenagers. <laughs> and the teenagers are the locusts. And how not. Not all children become like the worst exactly, type of teenagers. But when they're in big groups together, yeah. <laughs> they get a lot harder to tolerate. I don't know how adults fit into that, but there you go. <laughs> like, I don't know how they fit into that analogy, but it is what it is, you know? My dad used to call me and my friends, like the whole group of us, particularly the girls, a giggle of teenage girls. Yeah. A giggle of teenagers. Yeah. Uh I don't know. Maybe he should have called us a swarm instead. Yeah, connotations, language choices mean things. Choices uh, do. Yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, got to say grasshoppers is cool as are most insects, but I don't think I'm going to be uh, searching around the library for any 
grasshopper books anytime soon. I am. Send me your awesome grasshopper readings. Okay. Especially about... I think that's how I feel at the end of every episode, though. I don't think it's a personal thing with grasshoppers. I think I just feel like, cool, a 45-minute podcast episode was a good (laughs) amount of knowledge for me for this (laughs) critter. So if you're one of those people out there, we still love you. There are many of us out there. I still love you. And if you are an obsessive researcher (laughs) and feel like you constantly need more information in your already overcrowded head... Yeah. We apparently love you too. So yeah, there you go. Exactly. That's why this podcast works because we balance each other so well. Okay. You keep me from overloading. Wow. Really? I, I don't think I did a great job this week. <laughs> I think I don't think I did a great job because I just, I just swarmed I did right a, through. I did exactly. Like I tried. I like, no, let me keep going. I'm going to eat I all tried, this information in my I path. tried to put a couple, you know, just little inserts here and there, and you just kept pulling us back. I know. And I I just didn't know how to react anymore. So I kind of gave up at the end. I'm and sorry. I just let you, you run, do my run thing. your course. Run my mouth. Because <laughs> like, there was no stopping it. It was coming. <laughs> Think, yes. Like gross brown goo out of a grasshopper's mouth. It yeah. was just coming out. I really appreciate that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, friend. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Guys, that was episode 43 of CritterCast. And most CritterCast episodes do end up going somewhat like that accurate it just depends on the type of critter we're talking about but anytime we get into a critter that we have passionate feelings about one way (laughs) or the other it's gonna go that way yep uh we hope you don't mind the occasional interruption from our resident critters here in the Crittercast crew household which just recently grew by one are you gonna make an announcement we'll see which of our friends and family actually listen to our podcast oh my gosh (laughs) It's a test. <laughs> and actually listen all the way to the end of our podcast. If you know what we're talking about, hit us up on social media and we'll tell you if you're right. Um, no, you got to tell our loyal listeners Nuh-uh. what's going on. Nuh-uh. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Nah, they got to guess. Uh, if you don't, I will. No, they got to guess. Okay. We'll tell you in the next episode then. Sounds good. So by then, I, by then I will have, I will have made an announcement. So this will be a test to who listens to the podcast mm-hmm. and who follows us on social media. I'll put out a couple of hints on social media. There you go. Okay. There you go. Along uh, with pictures of grasshoppers. And speaking of on social media, you can find us on Instagram at CritterCast podcast on Facebook at CritterCast on Twitter at cast critter, or you can always go to our website, www www.crittercastpodcast.com that's right on our website you can find all of our episodes which are also of course on all your favorite podcast listening places such as itunes spotify uh not itunes anymore what they split oh apple podcast that's right yeah even but i think on the desktop version it's still itunes so on the app it's you got to get the apple podcast app it's always been that way Really? Yeah. Mm. For iPhone users. This is the joy of not having an iPhone. I just I, use my regular app. I like my Apple podcast yeah, app, whatever. but okay. Okay. Uh, but, so thanks for throwing me off. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and you can also, of course, on our website, find all of our reptile resources, care sheets, show notes, references, all that good stuff. That's right. Links to our Redbubble, where you, redbubble.com slash CritterCast, where you can buy merchandise with all of our lovely artwork done by our friend, Art by Zara. 
And you can also find links to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Critticast. And what do people get if they check out our Patreon? What's like the main Patreon draw? The main Patreon draw is that every month we do a special episode all about a magical creature <gasps> of our choosing or your choosing, Ooh. should you choose to submit any suggestions, um, which is super fun. And then, of course, of course, we also do occasional things like giveaways, behind the scenes videos, extra bonus content, all that fun stuff. That's what you can find if you follow us on Patreon. Join us for as little as $1 or $2 a month or more if you're feeling generous. We'd love to have you on there. Shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Varmin's Podcast. <gasps> oh, we love it's you so all so much. It's so lovely to have you guys, and we hope you enjoy our Patreon-exclusive content. That's right. And if you are one of our wonderful listeners and you haven't checked out Varmin's Podcast yet... What are you waiting for? They're amazing. They're Stop most, listening to us and go listen to them. They're mo- do listen to us both. Their most recent episode was on manatees and dugongs. Ugh. So you guys might find some familiar information, but they gave us a courtesy shout out ahead of time to let us know they hadn't listened to our episode <laughs> before they did theirs so that it wouldn't influence them. And, I, and now I, we can enjoy each other's episodes. Totally. I really love it when other people cover things that we've already covered because it's so fun to get to right? hear the different takes on things. Right. And they pick yeah. different facts than we do to focus totally. on so yeah. it's super cool we love it support them support our promo for this week support everybody and until next time we hope that all of you have wonderful and beautiful days because you are all the type of people who mm-hmm. pull their socks all the way up their knees so and they never roll down or bunch <laughs> weirdly that is all right see you later alligator after a while crocodile <laughs>